Touchstone Pictures presents Paul Newman, Tom Cruise. The hustler isn't what he used to be, but he's got the next best thing, a kid who is. Trader Vicks. His hair was perfect. You're an incredible freak. That's a gift. Paul Newman, Tom Cruise, in a Martin Scorsese picture, The Color of Money. Happy Newman New Year. That's right. It is Newman New Year here here at Recon Cinema Studios. Welcome back to another episode of Recon Cinemation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're, we're checking out how they hold up here in 2022. And it's been a, it's been a great new year here at the studios. We've had uh, we've themed it out for Paul Newman. Newman everywhere, all over the place. It's blue it's an eyes time. as far as you can see. Yeah, there's just a row of 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 art, and it's just his eyes like watching you as you enter the studio lot. Mm. And it's not creepy. It's <laughs> really soothing. It's just beautiful. We we love our Paul Newman here. That's for sure. So we keep having him back. Yeah. This is uh this is what fourth time I think fourth uh, time? that he's on the uh, we've done we've back in our archives which you can check out at www.reconsimation.com we covered Slapshot mm-hmm. we covered the Towering Inferno mm-hmm. we covered Nobody's Fool mm-hmm. so we did? we did the Hustler last last episode so this is the fifth and this, this is, is number five. five that's more wow. than that's more than Hanks. He's flying up the charts, Mr. Newman. Good for a Newman. Uh, but yeah, we uh, the last episode, we took a look back at 1961's The Hustler, the, the film that really boosted Mr. Newman, I would say, into the stratosphere. And it's really cemented him on that A-list uh, level. And we're going to continue looking at the journey of Fast Eddie Felsen as we are, we are taking a look at The Color of Money. All right. I'm excited. Yes. And this is uh, another occasion here because it marks the return of Martin Scorsese to the to the podcast, which shockingly for being as big fans as as we are, we have not covered many Scorsese films. In fact, this would be the second and the debut of one Tom Cruise here Mm -hmm. on the show. What a perfect what a perfect intro for Tom Cruise to join the show as this is one of his early breakout roles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's exciting. What about Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio? Another rookie. That's 11 syllables by the way. That is ridiculous. That's a, that's a lot of syllables. That's a mouthful. I I was annoyed with a Mary Eliz- Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> she, yeah. the, Master Antonio takes it to the other level. next level. You've that's, leveled up. No. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm just not even going to try and say it. I know I'll get all tongue-tied. David's counting syllables. Yes. That's like 13. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Antonio. That's incredible. (laughs) They just don't stop. Stop it, lady. The syllables just keep flying. Tom Hanks, (laughs) two syllables. Superstar. (laughs) Tom Cruise. You can say it fast. Two syllables. 
Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's been a whole study has been done about that. I'm sure. Peter Tork, the most popular monkey. Yeah. <laughs> and, and That's... by the way, RIP to Michael Nesmith. Since yeah. we're talking about the monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're down to one Mickey Dolan's. Indeed. But uh, anyway, uh, we are going to uh, take a look, like I said, at the journey of Fast Eddie Felsen. We're going to pick his story up 25 years later with the color of money. So what is the first time, David, I can bet I know the answer to this, but <laughs> what did you first see or hear about the color of money? Put money down on this one. Uh, I've known about the color of money for forever, forever. Tom Cruise movie shooting pool. Oh man, that's cool shit when you're in the eighties and you're a kid, um, but never saw it uh, for, and then I've brought it up countless times on this podcast that want to see that color of money, but that would require, you know, it re- would require the hustler. So it was finally time we found our Newman block. And so both movies seen for the first time for me for the for the show specifically so uh but they were they were always on the docket yeah Just when, when was the first time when did you start hearing about it or when did it kind of like pop into your mind was it when i brought it up was when i pitched the color, watching those the color of money yeah no 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 again like i said i i was aware of it in the 80s like i i and yeah no i mean it was a tom cruise movie I, yeah I, and i mean he had already been a star by the time i was probably aware of this one um like it's like you know i didn't know he was in the outsiders forever you know <laughs> like i had heard of that yeah um and i happened to read that book as a as a barely legal teen in high school and uh, uh in the library and then i was like oh well there's a movie for the outsiders neat <laughs> i didn't I had no idea it existed um anyway so yeah like it was just you know tom cruise was a, was the was the, the guy uh for, for a very long time so yeah. uh I, I don't know it was just i've never seen days of thunder i mean does that matter do you are you mad at me about that or am i mad at you should, never. Should, it's impossible okay. yeah okay well i mean but i didn't see days of thunder i figure that that must must irk you a little uh, everybody everybody universally loves days of thunder i thought i don't right? i don't love days of thunder i don't but... think so i just think it depends on days of thunder is one of those movies everybody saw when they got their first surround sound system because it's like <laughs> oh yeah. those yeah. were one of two movies that they offered for you to check it out <sighs> when you got your <laughs> your dvd player and surround sound system was days of thunder and mm-hmm. top gun those were the two both nice. just happened to be tom cruise movies sure, sure. <laughs> that's a good point uh so yeah no i yeah i uh, always in the uh i didn't realize color of money was a you know sequel of sorts to the hustler um but putting it together later you know oh it's like and then i watched so much jackie gleason honeymooners um as a kid like on those reruns again 38 39 episodes i feel like i haven't even seen them all but i've but i feel like i've seen a ton of them so probably um so i was like oh jackie please I, I didn't realize he would you know i remember when he died and i think his last movie was with tom hanks in, yeah nothing in uh, common nothing in common and i was like oh he was a movie he was in movies i had no idea you know um so yeah i mean you know so slowly the pieces got put together into the fast eddie nelson eddie felson uh you know duology <laughs> duology <laughs> uh saga we'll call it uh brent what about you uh color of money when did it hit your radar i i knew about it you know probably around when it was re- released and you know i saw it as a kid but i i didn't pay too much attention to it it was 
not until, I mean, I loved Tom Cruise as a kid, you know, like Top Gun was great as a, as a, you know, young teen uh, or, or, or just about to be teen uh, when that came out. But uh, yeah, like, I think he did top, it was like Top Gun, Color of Money, Cocktail and Rain Man. Yeah. And, and of, of those four in that, in that, in that kind of grouping, Color of Money was the one least uh, on my radar at the time. But then flash forward to when I was in high school and started playing pool with my buddies. Uh, I fell in love with this movie and I knew about this movie much more so than I did the hustler. So, you know, the hustler didn't really come across my radar is except for being, you know, like we talked about in the last podcast, kind of just playing in the background and things like that and not really focusing on it too much until you and I met John, but color of money though, I'd seen tons by the time you and I had met and uh, was in pretty steady rotation uh, once, once uh, high school hit. So um, yeah, I love, you know, this movie's great. And I have a newfound appreciation for it now having really s- had a chance to sit down and, and watch the hustler and seeing like the continued story of fast Eddie, uh, you know, it kind of has a whole uh, different, not different, but a, like a much stronger kind of, kind of uh, meaning. Yeah. It's sort of the, you know, we, we talked about this on the hustler that you can watch each movie separately from each other. And you have them, they stand, you know, they, they can stand up as their own movies, but if you've seen the hustler, it just really sweetens specifically, you know, Newman's character in the color of money. So you, you've seen his backstory. It's not just alluded to because they really don't talk about it specifically in the color of money. You just have to sort of guess at it. But if you've seen the hustler, like you, you know what his experience is and you know what his background is. So. Yeah, you'd really have no idea that this is a sequel unless you, I mean, unless you were aware of it going in or sought it out afterwards. But there's nothing in this movie that that clues you off to to it being a sequel. Yeah, there's, uh, and we'll talk about how that's not really how it started. That's where it ended sure. up, but it didn't start that way. Um, the this the poster for this movie was the first time that Newman ever came on my radar as a kid. I remember seeing that, that drawn poster that I love that style of drawing. It's not a Drew Struzan, but it's, you know, similar. Yeah. Um, that sort of painting painted look. Actually, he looks like almost like sort of out of like GI Joe, but much better, you know, artwork, but uh, he kind of looks like an older Duke. <laughs> I thought. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's why he stood out to me. But uh, that was the first time Newman was on my radar. I didn't see the movie until 1997, right before I, w- I went to college. And I fell in love with it. I was on a big Newman you know, kick. I, that's when I really discovered the rest of his, his films and Butch Cassidy and along with The Hustler and, and uh, Cool Hand Luke and Towering Inferno. And then I was like in love with him and just kind of obsessed. But I, it wasn't until like 2000 that I really, my deep passion for this movie really took hold. And it was right around our friend, uh, our, our friend Jared, his wedding. I was really like, I was listening to the soundtrack all the time. I remember driving to his wedding, listening to it. Uh, and our friend Hayes uh, back from in, in 
our college days sat down with me and really like walked through this movie with me why it was so it's a it's a clinic it's just it's sort of a filmmaking clinic and there's so many subtleties to it you know a lot of which in the performances and we'll talk about you know Scorsese's involvement obviously he's the director of the movie huge involvement but this doesn't really have his complete like stamp it doesn't always feel like a Scorsese movie right Um, so we'll we'll get into that but uh yeah, that's a lot of deep memories for Cool Hand Luke, uh, or not Cool Hand Luke, for A Color of Money. Uh, I, I love the film very much and a uh, huge fan of Newman. He's he's my number one guy, along with Kurt Russell, of course. So, It's so funny you mentioned the timeline of, of when you started, well, when you saw this movie and started really admiring Newman, because that was right when we were roommates. And, and now that you mention it, I remember... In the mornings, I would either wake up to you watching Dallas, the TV show on True. reruns that you had all taped, or Cool Hand Luke. Like that was the other one that I feel <laughs> like was was on TV a lot. And so it it I'm connecting the dots. It only took twenty something years, but I'm connecting them. <laughs> it's uh you know that that's the only way to wake up. That's 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 how I, I would had take to wake Cool you up Hand Luke morning. over that Dallas theme song <laughs> any day of the week. Except I will say that ninety five percent of the days of the week. It was that damn Dallas theme song. I'm going to have one of my staff members hack into your phone and set your your wake-up alarm to the Dallas theme song. That'll be the last day I use the phone. <laughs> you just throw the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Straight into the toilet. Uh, well, for The Color of Money, it, uh, The Hustler was a novel written in, in 1950. Was it, I'm sorry, was it 49 or 59? I already forgot, but... Uh, uh, written by Walter Tevis, and the sequel, the novel was a true sequel. Uh, it was written in 1984, also by Walter Tevis. Um, it was very, uh, the novel is, does not bear any resemblance to the film, almost at all. The plot's entirely different. Uh, there's, it, it really is about Fast Eddie seeing the, you remember there was an actual Minnesota Fats pool player in the 80s and 90s you ever remember seeing on like espn he had like an instructional video that you could send 40 dollars for i remember masse but i don't remember uh minnesota fats <laughs> yeah well there was and in the in the novel fast eddie sees a fake minnesota fats on tv and it kind of registers like hey i wonder what the what the real minnesota fats is up to so he tracks him down in Florida and sort of it's a lot about their relationship. And then they go sort of on, uh, on tour, if you will, uh, again. And then there's, there is some kind of competition towards the end, but um, it's mostly about their relationship. So obviously the finished film has nothing to do with that storyline at all. Right. It's completely different. I mean, let's just ask the question. Should 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 this movie have been a, a true sequel? Do you think it's better off standing alone, or would should it have some more connection with the hustler? I actually like how it is. Like I think it's interesting. Like it's a real, I, because it's. I mean now now I mean okay ten years ago we got into the whole sequel trend of like. 
10 years after the last movie, we're now reuniting with, with the characters. But in the eighties, that wasn't happening. And it was, it was kind of a great, like period of like a space of time between when the, the hustler and the color money was to truly establish like, okay, this is much further along in his career. And you could believe where he was in his life as the color of money starts up. I think it's, I, I, I actually appreciate that it it's done this way and, and that it's not a continuation of his like pool hall hustling Minnesota fats story. Cause I felt like, even though there's that cool nod at the end of the hustler where they're like, Hey, you're one hell of a pool player. And he's like, you too, kid, or whatever. Like that's, that's cool. Like you could build off that, but I think that this is a much better approach. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little too much. Like, it's not like people are clamoring for what, well, what's Minnesota fats up to really, you know, it's, it's an interesting exercise for the author and then, you know, for the, for the original movie, but like to, to take, uh, Eddie to you know a new place where lots of things happen to Eddie between that movie and this movie and it doesn't you know th- what I appreciate about how even both movies are is like there's not one epic thing that defines the characters like that they can lose a game they can you know they might lose these magic but like they continue to play like things continue to go on it's not like we got to win the big championship and that's it. And that's the only way to prove your self-worth or whatever. It's just one step in the whole thing. You know, you can do, I, I, I'm assuming you could do a, a, a third movie and it's Tom Cruise's character bringing in a, you know, a, a hot shot, uh, you know, up through some storyline, but um, you know, so yeah, I, I think I appreciate this better. Like I don't, it, Instead of leaning Wait, on the original, you know, the Mission Impossible movies are a sequel to The Color of Money, right? Oh, yeah, he's the same character. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Same. Ethan Hunt, you Ethan know, Hunt. Vincent. Yeah, he's Vincent Laria. Uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I think, I think this works really well as a, a singular story because, you know, you you can, if you just change the character's name, this would just been its own movie, right? So right. the only thing that really ties it is. The nods to the first, but it's even that that's just homage if you change the the Paul Newman's character's name. So I don't know. I, I think it's great. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think a straight sequel would have been I don't know, would have been too sort of cute and maybe forced. Like it, it doesn't feel I don't know, like having this separate and and be its own story with very loose connections just feels much more natural to me, like than trying to work in Minnesota fats and trying to work in, you know, Burt Gordon back in. It's like, you know, you, you look at like the sting too. And then I think there was a prequel to Butch Cassidy. And those are kind of forced projects that just don't work for a number of reasons. And I don't think Newman would have been attracted to it if it was, you know, just trying to pick up all the same characters and do a sequel like, you know, like we see with movies now. Uh, I think what attracted him to it was sort of that separation that yeah. we've been talking about. Yeah. I'll say as a viewer, like, I think it's interesting because, you know, the story is a bit about uh, like a kind of the passing of the torch in a way, you know, like not completely, but, you know, and it, 
and it mirrors kind of that with the with the lead characters as well right so like paul newman is kind of you know further along in his career kind of towards the tail end and tom cruise is up and coming and you know from a from a viewer perspective having not seen the hustler before this I watched this movie all throughout high school and up until just recently thinking this was a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. This is a movie about Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise's character. But the reality is once, you know, if you've seen the hustler or, or once you've seen the hustler, you realize that, no, this is, this is a movie about, about Paul Newman's character and Eddie and, and all that. But, you know, I think when this movie came out, what's interesting is like, you know, there are probably people who hadn't seen The Hustler who saw this and went to go see it because it was Tom Cruise. And then there were people who had seen it from The Hustler and they were like, hey, this is a Paul Newman movie. And it's like, it's kind of an interesting just play on per- perception and perspective. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, where this, part of the really interesting thing about this movie is the parallels between real life and the storylines. So what's happening on screen with uh, with Eddie and Vincent is sort of happening behind the scenes with Newman and Cruz as well. And looking at their, where each of them is in their respective careers, very, very similar thing going on in the film as well as right. outside of it. So I, I, that's something that always fascinates me as every time I watch it, that, you know, Cruz has said that in the early part of his career, he his goal was to work with the best directors and the best actors so that he could just be a sponge and just learn and absorb and i really respected that about his you know first half of his career you know one at a certain point it sort of changes and then he's doing pretty much pretty much just the action thing and um not all of those are great there are definitely really really solid ones in there um he sort of pulled the nose up on the mission impossible franchise and and uh what was uh, the edge of tomorrow great movie there yeah but uh you know doesn't do as much dramatic stuff as as he was doing in the early part of his career and it's funny because he's just you know he's he's not a uh spring chicken anymore and he's still doing the action thing but uh we love to see it i love i throw him on an airplane you know shoot guns at him side of a building know, just have yeah. him get punched in the face a bunch of times it's cool i don't know and he does his own stunts and he's only gotten hurt one like one time right on, yeah. on one of the last mission impossible movies he he broke his ankle was that what yeah. happened yeah i think his ankle so yeah, yeah he's doing he's doing what he's got to do like he's still he's still out there you got to respect him as a uh, as a creator a producer an actor as long as he stays away from things like the mummy you know, Ooh, yeah, he already, was, he already went for it though. Well, too yeah, late. but but too late, go, Brent. I'm, he I'm went saying, for the money. <laughs> I'm saying don't go back. I'm oh. saying leave that one alone. Oh, but all his other stuff. I don't know. Did you guys see American Made? Like that was that was entertaining. No, didn't see that. American yeah, Made? No. Yeah, it's kind of a. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Blow, like the Johnny Depp cocaine yep. movie, but it's kind of a similar type storyline. You know. I didn't um, see the Jack Reacher movies. I actually, I haven't seen Oblivion. I, I do want to see that. Yeah, I haven't seen Oblivion or Jack Reacher. Uh, I like uh, all of those. Although the second Jack Reacher was kind of disappointing, but I also read the Jack Reacher books. So, what was the uh, what was the Michael Mann movie? Uh, Collateral. 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 That was pretty good. That's that's, yeah, that's, yep, that's very that's good. Pretty yep. great, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, he's really good in it. He's he's solid yeah. in it. But for as far as the mummy goes, w- should we call it the color of mummy? Nope. We shouldn't. No. That'd be the sequel. That would be the <laughs> we sequel. We should just we should just not do that. And it's there was about a... the mummy 25 years later in his career. <laughs> Let's go back to the EFCU, Eddie Belson <laughs> yeah, Cinematic yeah. Universe. Yeah. Yes. A two-picture universe. So it works. <laughs> um so, you know, make no mistake about it, though. This really is a Paul Newman vehicle. He's mm-hmm. the driving force behind this movie. This is this really isn't a Cruise movie. It kind of isn't a Scorsese movie. I, I mean, there yeah. there are moments right. of that. And we'll, we'll come back to that. But but uh, Paul Newman was the one making this movie happen. So after the, the novel came out, he got a screenwriter to write a few drafts originally it was it was much more like a sequel to the hustler and and it it involved minnesota fats and then each draft sort of he was less and less involved uh and then you know he found scorsese at he he sent the script to scorsese um this is i think he was shooting after hours when he uh got the script but Scorsese was sort of looking, you know, looking to reboot his his own career because he had had such success critically, um, you know, on 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 the street, you know, he had a lot right. of street cred, but his movies were not making money. You know, Taxi Driver didn't make money. I don't think Raging Bull made made that much money. So he was, you know, in the early eighties, he was he was struggling and. After Hours was sort of hitting the reset button for him and trying to, um, you know, with a much lower budget movie, try to, you know, we talked about that, uh, what, last year, two years ago, which uh, you can dig out the archives uh, at reconsinimation.com. But, uh, you know, so he was really not well physically. It was it, it took a bit to get him to kind of rewire himself. So he agreed to do this movie, which was very unlike him. Martin Scorsese doesn't really do movies with with characters that he didn't create, right? And I mean, you're 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 sort of dancing around it a little bit, but like this is literally like his opportunity to reboot his relationship with studios, correct? So that he can yeah. do kind of bigger, higher kind of industry yeah. films. Yeah, I mean, this was him saying, "Look, I, I I'll play ball." Like, I'll go along with it. We'll do, you know, we'll get some big stars. We'll do, you know, we'll do this movie. It's going to make money. And then, then let me get, then we can start talking about my projects again. Right. But it, it wasn't like, I don't know. Uh, it, it, he did work in his style. I felt enough that, especially in, in really the pool, the actual pool, the way the pool scenes are shot. There's a lot of like vintage Scorsese in there, the way, you know, the quick sort of zoom ins and, you know, the way we follow the balls, the way we cut around to the actors. Uh, so so there is a bit of his signature there. It's right. and the rest of it. That's a little more straightforward. But. And that's really about his partnership with the cinematographer. Right. Yeah. Who, and the editor. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was I mean, he was if, correct me if I'm wrong, but going into this, he was also kind of down on himself and just at a, in a place where he was just kind of over it like just the all the work and dedication he had put into to everything and he just was not really he was feeling a bit lost and not really 
um, feeling the creative urge to to continue on as a filmmaker even and and his relationship with uh michael uh ballhouse ballhouse yeah. the cinematographer really helped kind of like put that back in place like yeah. the like working on the creative shots and and Give the, spark you know, the blocking back. and all that stuff like kind of reinvigorating that whole uh part of his his uh creativity yeah well, yeah, he had spent so much of himself on those big films, you know, that really got the first part of his career going and really catapulted him to the, you know, the sort of the top of the, you know, creative directors of the of the 70s and that new Hollywood movement, you know, between Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and of course Raging Bull. That's that's a lot in within just a few years of legendary movies and and i think it took a lot of out of him physically and he wasn't Mm -hmm. you know just mentally drained he was physically drained he wasn't really inspired anymore he was paranoid uh because his movies weren't doing you know the studios were not were frustrated with him that yeah that's great that they're winning awards and nominated for everything but at the end of the day they've got to make money and as we come out of that new Hollywood movement into the 80s, that, that shift in mentality came back around. You know, everything after Star Wars was like, okay, these movies, move, we're putting movies out to make money. And if we can be uh, creatively charged as well, artistically driven, great, but it's got to make money. So it put him in sort of a weird place of, of not really knowing where to turn for a while and I think After Hours kind of righted him and then this helped get his feet under him again. And th- this whole time, he's he's also still trying to get The Last Temptation of Christ going, which was a whole, that's a whole drama right there. Right. Well, and this what, I mean, I know we're going to talk box office later, but this this was, this did do good numbers. Yeah, yeah this, this was a hit for sure. So, uh, but yeah, so, so this merger of Newman and, and Scorsese is really interesting that it's the star finding the director instead of the director finding the star Newman remembers is still sort of an icon at this point and a legend and his, his status is going to over overrule Scorsese's and absolutely overrule Cruz at, at this point that wouldn't hold for too much longer, but um, you know, he is, uh, he's driving it. And I think he's really just attracted to seeing where fast Eddie went and what was his, what was his journey? Where would he be 25 years later? So, um, interesting, but, uh, let's, let's, uh, oh yeah. And then, sorry, going back to the screenplay throughout all this, as they're making changes to the script and sort of moving it away from a sequel into more of its own standalone thing. Uh, they bring in uh, writer Richard Price, who clashed a lot with Newman and, you know, just different perspectives. And he was more of Scorsese's guy. And, and, uh, but I think at the end of the day, you, you ended up with a good, uh, a really solid s- script and story, but maybe it wasn't so fun uh, getting there. Stick a pool cue down his throat. Go back to the fucking cannon and blow their asses away. Let's let's circle back to Tom Cruise though. So 
it's so interesting seeing him so young in his career. He's so he's changed so much yeah. over the yes. years. It's like it's like a totally different person. Yep. Yeah, he's he's borderline just obnoxious in and a lot of in a lot of this, like and and intentionally so, but just kind of the pompous, uh, ego driven um, young guy, you know. Yeah, I, there's yes, like we mentioned earlier, there's such a parallel between Vincent and Tom Cruise at this point. You know, he's right. He's this is remember this is months after Top Gun has come out. I think this yes. is four months, maybe five months after Top Gun, which was that. I, I think that was the number one movie of '86. I could be wrong, but it was definitely up there. So, uh, David, you want to check that? Back me up on that. Top. Sure. Gun? Yeah. Let me look that up. Number one of 86. That's that's what I say. Uh, a huge movie. That was sort of a game-changing movie. Uh, I, I think it took a year or so to really take hold of, of its, its to- the total fallout from Top Gun. But but he had had a solid, a solid, solid run right up to that point. I mean, he does The Outsiders, Risky Business, All the Right Moves, Legend, and then Top Gun, followed by The Color of Money. That's, uh, that's a pretty hot streak. Uh, absolutely. And yes, Top Gun was number one of 86. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Cruise is everywhere. This is it. The, the, he's, he's launching forward and, and he gets to, he gets to be with Newman in a, in a movie together. Ah, like what, a, what, a, what a joy, right? Yeah. It's a great pairing. And he is, he's, you know, got that. Why wouldn't Cruise have that cocky attitude coming off of, of such a, a string of hits, but a major, ma- the the biggest hit of that year, uh, walking onto the set, and and of course he's going to be sort of having a bit of a an attitude, uh, bit of an ego, yeah, bit of an ego, yeah. But like it's, it, I mean, like either, yeah. There's so for most of this movie, like I did not really care for Vincent Laureate, right? Like, yeah. I, not that I didn't care for him, but he's just such a jerk, like, but. And it, it, but it's such a great contrast to Newman to 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 Eddie and like, and it neither none of these characters are they're all very they feel three dimensional even like with Cruz and his uh or with Vincent's like sort of you know cocky attitude and everything there's more to them right he's get, he can be cocky in the moment but then it's but what about what they're trying to do you know like what how do uh, they're trying to navigate together how to do this thing and. You know, and Vincent isn't really picking up that like it's 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 Eddie trying to get his mojo back. Like yeah, this is right. like like Vince doesn't see it, and it's and even I couldn't even see it until like as the movie was really going on. I'm like, boy, this is like a a huge manipulation uh, of what he's trying to do here and taking advantage of both of them. Um, and and then I think it, and I think it's when everything breaks down and uh, Eddie leaves them. That it was like, oh, he he was he had an agenda that wasn't gonna that wasn't working for him. Um, so he had to so Eddie had to find his own way through, you know, where he was yeah. and where he was going. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Like to me, because to me, I'm like, oh, they're just they're gonna keep touring across America, and then they're gonna get to Atlantic City, and they're gonna win the big tournament. It's gonna be a big thing. And it's like, no, this is not that kind of story. This isn't like some heroic journey, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, 
So, uh, the, so I think the script really like really comes together with, with Newman's like sort of interference on not interference, but is, 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 uh, insight to, to Eddie's character and like where, where he would go and where he needs to go. Yeah. Well, what, where we left off with Eddie uh, fast, Eddie Felsen is, is he walked out of that pool hall, hall with Minnesota fats and Burt Gordon, and he was never going to, they would never allow him to play big time pool again. So, you know, while he had sort of discovered himself and gained his self-respect, where was he going to go from there? What was he going to do? So fast forward 25 years and we see he's, he, he's not on his ass. He's on his feet. He seems to be, yeah. I don't know if I'd say he's wealthy, but he seems to be well off. He's successful, successful yeah. enough to buy a big old caddy, yeah. white, white boat of a Cadillac, <laughs> you know, like wears nice clothes, you know, he, he's yeah. a whiskey or a, a liquor sales. Yeah. Man. I think it's whiskey, whiskey. Yeah. He's yes. a whiskey dealer. Yeah. He's got and money thought, in his pocket. I, I assumed the first, the first few times I saw it, that he owned that bar when we first see him in the very beginning of the movie, but that may not be true. That's just sort of how I read that scene. Um, or it's at least somewhere he is a regular, you know, he's the whiskey supplier there probably and is there all the time. Well, yeah. Cause the lady at the bar is like his, his, his girlfriend. girlfriend, right? So, yep. you know, like he's definitely, he's no stranger to that bar. Right. Especially since, since, uh, uh, John Turturro's character keeps coming up to him, asking him for, for money, Julian. I, I love the opening of this film. I yeah. love that whole scene. I love the music. I love the setup. I love the, it's great. The Phil Collins, you know, one more night just playing just the right tempo. Mm. And he's, you know, he's s- sampling the whiskey. He's flirting with the, with his girlfriend. And yeah, we see John Turturro in one of his early roles. Yeah. Yep. Although I think I want to say Turturro is an extra in Raging Bull. I think there's a scene in a restaurant where you like you clearly he's standing right there. I I don't think he has any lines, but anyway, so he's got a Scorsese connection there, but um, you know, and, and he's, he's bankrolling Turturro, you know, give him a 20, 20 per game. And we don't really see, we don't really focus on who he's playing, but when he hears the snap, the the, the crack of the ball, when when he, when uh, Vincent breaks, that that moment of him like turning around like it's just sort of you can see if you've seen the hustler you can feel it all all of that rushing back yeah yeah you know and maybe he hasn't of of course he's played pool over the years but not competitively not for big money and all of a sudden all those feelings and those memories come like rushing back to him all in that one look as he's just kind of he hears it and he feels it and he senses it. So I, yeah, I just, there just hasn't been anything that's come along. That's gotten him excited about right. pool the way that Vincent did. Yeah. How come you don't play pool anymore? I quit. Actually, somebody retired me. Sometimes you get in with the wrong kind of people, you know, but Hey, that was a long time ago. Back East getting buried. I don't even think about it. I won my share of medals. I mean, do you think Vincent in Color of Money is similar to how <clears throat> how we see how we meet Eddie in the beginning of The Hustler, ego oh, ego wise? You know, I think they're really similar characters. I'd say so. I'd say there's a lot of Vincent in Eddie 
you know, um, different though. Like, I mean, I think the ego is different, you know, like I didn't, but, but certainly I have to imagine that Eddie feels like, Oh, this, this young guy is similar to how I am. And that's why he took him under the wing under his wing a little bit. Right. Well, and Vincent's got a little bit more, um, childlike kind of qualities like he still seems immature whereas eddie did not seem immature eddie seemed uh like he had a massive ego but he didn't seem immature in the beginning of the hustler and and i think part of why you know they set vincent's character working in a in a toy store Hmm. you know that he still got that childlike qualities i don't know i oh sorry go ahead no, yeah, I mean, I think it's like it. There, they can't be. It's not a straight one-one comparison. This could be. This could have been Eddie five years before we met Eddie, right? Like, you know, I think that's the idea. Is like he's still in that nascent sort of growth period of understanding. Like, he's good at pool. He can make a couple of bucks. He has fun doing it. But he doesn't have the. He doesn't have sights on a big prize. You know, Eddie did. He wanted to take down Minnesota Fats. He wanted to confront him, beat him, show off, be the big thing because he probably had the clout to do it. Right. He had kind of probably made his way through a lot of different tables and, and people, uh, Vincent's nowhere near that kind of level. And so like when Vincent's showing off in Chicago, uh, at uh, Chalkies, he's doing like the, you know, he's doing the bow staff and the, yeah. and the ninja shit. And like, and then he said like, no one's ever looked at me like that. No one's ever applauded or whatever he said, you know, they're applauding him and all that. And he's showing off. That's not, that's the first time he's done any of that. It's not even, that's not even like, that's just him exploring that newness. Right. So I I think that's great. It's not like he's not a one for one comparison to Eddie. He's even younger and less mature, like you said, and just like, just beginning to understand his, his skill and his power. Right. It's, he's more, he's more of like a natural talent. Like he'd rather be playing video games than playing pool, but he's able to, to win playing pool because he just knows how to do it. It just comes so naturally to him. Whereas I didn't get the sense from Eddie, like to me, like Eddie had natural talent, but he also, I think, put in a lot of time to, to get there. Well, Vincent doesn't, I mean, Vincent and Carmen, who we'll talk about in a minute, they don't even know how to, how to hustle. hustle at all right i mean yeah, yeah. they've got, he no, goes they've in got there, no hustle game at all right like he goes in and he plays you know 20 bucks a game and he just plays until there's nobody left to play and he's beating everybody in the room or everyone who's willing to play so he'll he'll walk out of there with like 200 bucks or something whereas if he what eddie is going to try to show him is that if you have a game if you have a hustle you can walk out with thousands of dollars right. instead of just a couple of hundred. And they, it's like, it didn't really even occur to them. It was, you know, Carmen is more like his manager and just pushing him out there. And with not really, I mean, she's a, uh, basically a kid too. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, and, and Eddie even, I mean, that scene is great, right? Because Eddie, when Eddie sits down behind Carmen yeah, and I mean, he basically calls her on it. He's like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, you, you don't even know what to do. Like you don't know you have no idea what to say. Like you, you're, you're green. Like you just yeah. have no clue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, so- I mean, I, I think he intimidates her too, that of course. Know, he just throws out a wad of money and say, do you want to He's got such this? confidence and gusto, you know, like yeah. he bewilders her. Like she doesn't, he's got her all tied up, right? Like one second 
He's saying you should have said, yeah, take the bet. The next second he's saying you should have said, no, don't take the bet. Yeah. And she has no idea. She's just along for the ride. She has no control in that conversation at all. Right. Yeah. It's like, and it's like Eddie's sort of corrupting them. Right. Like in the sense, in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, in if you were to look at like the hustle and all that as, as some great sin or whatever, but he is, he is altering their perspective on like what it is to be good at pool and to be playing, you know, it's just, it's, it's like you said, Jen, it's like, you'd rather be playing video games and that there's the real challenge, right? Like, cause there's, uh, yeah. th- there's a difficulty there, but it, Eddie's trying to corrupt them and pull them into his, into the world he used to know, but that world doesn't even exist. Cause now everyone plays nine ball. Everyone plays nine ball. Cause it's fast. Yeah. Everybody it's, it's, it's better for TV. trend. It's better for TV, right? Isn't that better what for said? TV? Yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. So nine ball and was was a huge, just huge trend uh, that yeah. was coming up through the the eighties, um, and uh, so, but like Eddie can't have can't have the same he can't have the same thing he used to have right with them. So it's they they almost resist out of their ignorance. Like they just like it doesn't really sink in what he's trying to teach them for a long time. Both of them. You know, she she kind of gets it, but it's still like uh, it's like it's it's almost like Vincent doesn't even really belong in this world, like he in this this whole world that he's trying to bring him into. Yeah, he's absolutely a child with talent. Like that's all all he is, you know. Yeah, and and she sees she sees that there's value in that, that or something that she can gain from it. Eddie yeah. also sees it almost similar to like a Bert kind of kind of role except sure not nearly as cutthroat and it's all capped off brilliantly at the end of the day with the dinner scene you know where where eddie hustles him and they uh, you know he he says okay look t- let me take you to dinner and if you're not convinced by the time dinner's over you know whatever and yeah. then he basically cons him into paying for his dinner and walks out but also that's the that's the hook yeah. that convinces them you know that, knows what's up. that he knows what's up and so he's he's able to to get them to buy into to having him show them the ropes well and and carmen picks up on that that he was playing you know he he was working them whereas she's, Vin- Vincent i mean she's no savvy idea. right like she's totally she's green but savvy like she she gets it like there's definitely more to her character than we're really I think allowed to to see, but you can tell that there's some history behind her eyes and like, she's, you know, protective, but also like not going to turn her back on a meal ticket. You know, she's going to like, she's definitely from the world, just not familiar enough with this particular part of it. Well, well we get her backstory or a little bit of her and Vincent's backstory in that she was, was it her and her, boyfriend at the time or i can't remember if it was her boyfriend or her brother were robbing vincent's house mm. his family's mm-hmm. house got caught and where she met vincent was in the police station and that she wears his mother's ring right or, or like and that vincent's like oh my mother used to have one just like it yeah and i mean kids clueless doesn't put it together that yeah <laughs> that's the one so uh, I like that little note, but yeah, Mary- it's just that youthful night, you know, naivete. Na- yeah, naivete. Thank you. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio is so great in this movie. I think she's she's, she's awesome. young, just like Tom Cruise is, but she fits in so well. She's such a great actress, and I she does not get 
I don't know what happened, but she doesn't get the credit that I feel like she deserves. She was in so many great movies or, you know, she was great. in so, so many movies through the, the eighties and into the early nineties. And then she sort of kind of fell off the map a little bit. I think she started popping up more recently again, but um, I feel like she deserves uh, more credit than she's, you know, she's gotten over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. She's fantastic. I think she was nominated for an Academy Award for this, too. Yeah. Yep. Her um, one Oscar nomination. Yeah. But you're right. Like, she does kind of, I mean, it's, you know, she's got stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, she, she's she got stuff in her credits here. You know, like, I mean, she, obviously, she was in The Abyss, which is, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm a fan fan of John's a fan of I know for sure I think David's a fan of but but uh you know and then and then Robin Hood Prince of Thieves which at the time was a huge huge movie it was a huge movie um but then White Sands Consenting Adults and then it was like TV for them you know like yeah for a while doing Frasier and Consenting no. adults was the, the last time I remember seeing her in a big, in, in a you know decent sized movie for a while. But of course, right before this, she'd done Scarface, and that was a huge. I think that was her debut. Yeah, that was the thing that kind of put her on the map, right? Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, opposite. and she's going toe to toe with freaking Al Pacino, Pacino. at yeah, his like sure. most over the topness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She kind of disappears for a while until I mean, she pops up again in The Perfect Storm in 2000 yep, that's right yep and then yeah it's kind of back to to tv so i don't know she is phenomenal absolutely to your point like she's oh, yeah. so good in this um and i mean like she's she is sandwiched between two real heavyweights and like holds three if own. you count scorsese <laughs> three yeah yeah but on screen i mean she the scenes she's in she carries like she's great she is not intimidated by by um newman at all like in any of the scenes like she stands her own man she's really phenomenal yeah and she's got a lot of notes to play too i mean when they play that sort of uh you know flirtation thing that she's doing with eddie and and the way he reacts to that that yeah you know yeah (laughs) yeah uh, but she's playing playing head games, you know. And what what's her what's her game with Eddie? Like, why would she do that? And and he holds his sort of morality and like I'm I could be your father. Like I'm not I'm not gonna do this. So yeah. Uh, yeah. But but then he's sort of like leaning on her as to help guide Vincent. You know, just as much as he's guiding Vincent on his own. Well, well, because she can control, she can, you know, she can handle him like, right. like Newman can't handle him, you know, like they're just going to butt heads. It's two egos, you know, the past and the present. And they're, they're just, you know, too similar, uh, even though they're, they're decades apart and, and she, you know, she can ground him um, much better than Eddie can. I like a lot of their hustles too. They, they've got like a few different games that they do where he's got the father son thing with, with Vincent where he, he lets Vincent basically get beat up. You know, he sort yeah. of disappears. He sends Carmen away. He disappears to, to watch from afar. And then, you know, they're, they have all the money. So when Vincent loses and they've got to pay, there's no one around. So he gets jumped 
And then well, and it's always, it's always a repercussion for not listening, you know, for right. letting his ego get in the way. Like yeah. anytime, anytime he doesn't follow the game plan, there's a consequence. Yeah. Well, yeah. like, and he's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lesson for, you know, in the car after he's been beat up, like Vincent's like, I would go back there and kick like whatever he was saying, angry stuff about kicking the guy's ass for having, you know, the guy who had the hole in his throat where all he had was compassion for like, I can't beat this guy. I can't take his money. He's got, right. you know, he's seeing him at a, a place of like disadvantage. And then, but seeing that that guy and his friends would all just rough him up and kick the crap out of him for $60 or whatever the yeah exactly the, the thing don't, was don't like, have sympathy they're all sharks exactly so like he like it was a hard lesson that he had to learn like so again it's like it but isn't this just Eddie corrupting him yeah <laughs> you know? oh yeah like, completely like, manipulating like yeah. Eddie is not exactly the hero <laughs> but, oh, no, no not, yeah he's not the villain that Burt Gordon was but he's definitely there's definitely a purpose for what he's doing I mean, he's... No, no, yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Eddie does come along for the ride, right? So he's just, or Vincent does come along for the ride. So Eddie's just trying to show him, like, you can't, this cannot be how you would play it because you're going to fail. You're, and so I get it. It's not like he's, uh, <clears throat> he forced it on him, right? But to teach him that hard lesson, he's like, all right, well, you're going to have to take a couple punches and learn. And, you know, you can envision that at some point, maybe when Eddie was young, he could, he, le- he learned the same lesson. You gotta I mean, be he hard. had his thumbs broken. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, for sure he learned he learned that the hard way, you know. And I think the thing is, is like, yeah, he's he's definitely he's not a good guy, but he's n- near not nearly as bad as as Bert was. Oh, sure. But I think it's like, you know, he's he's saying, Hey, <sighs> you've got this talent. You know, if you're gonna do this. Don't do it for small potatoes. Like, why are you trying to take hundreds? You know, and and I know we talked about it, but just to reiterate, like, why take hundreds when you can get thousands? You know, like that's that's the thing. Take advantage of the talent while you can, because once people know who you are and know what your thing is, you're not going to be it's going to be a lot harder for you to do that. You're going to have to do it in a different venue. Yeah. Vincent was so proud of that 150 bucks he won off Mazelle and then. It's, and then he's like, that's half, that's one shoe in a shoe store. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, he was trying to get him to play the big dog. And uh, he just, you know, Vince just went for, for, he went for the glory of it all. And yeah, he still thinks he Instant made out of gratification, hand. instant gratification. Yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, it makes sense at one point, but if you know what you're doing, you, yeah, you can walk out with thousands instead of a hundred, hundred, 200 bucks. Yeah. But ultimately, I mean, the whole thing really is a head game that Eddie's playing with them because he really is. I think you don't really realize it at first, but he's trying to he's just trying to get back in the game. Finally, this is his sort of this is finally his his chance to get back in and sort of like, you know, mafia people who go in the witness protection, like after a certain amount of time, those people who wanted you probably don't care anymore or have, you know, or bigger, they're no longer in the picture. They're no longer in the yeah. picture. Or there's bigger fish to fry. The, the grudge just isn't as strong anymore. So if Eddie wanted to get back in the game and play, I'm sure he probably could now. God knows if Bert, the Burt Gordon character is still alive or where he would be. And well, I think it's brilliant, right? Like the first pool hall he takes him to is like now a storage well, it's yeah. embarrassing too. So he's yeah, absolutely. He, he talks it's up like, the oh, big you game. don't, you don't really know everything. Like you knew the game twenty five years ago. 
Yeah. Like it's evolved. Not everything is exactly the same as, as you remember it. Yeah. It's embarrassing too, that, you know, there's a couple of moments of embarrassment for Eddie that, you know, he talks everything up so much. And then, yeah, when he, he does, they realize like, Oh, he doesn't even know where, where the today's games are really being played because he's been out of the world for so long. But, uh, and then when he, you know, Eddie does, start to dabble in playing again when he plays Forrest Whitaker oh, and gets great, comp- scene. great scene, great performance by a very young Forrest Whitaker. Yes, so good. And he gets taken, he gets hustled big time. Yeah. yeah. And, and he doesn't realize it till it's too late. And then he's just, you could feel that sort of the horror. It's, it's sort of a nightmare for him. Yeah. How could I get suckered like that? Oh, you gotta work hard. I mean, that takes a real gift to show your ass like that. Everything, you gotta stack. Everything just by a little too much booze, a little too cocky. Right amount of jerk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got outgamed. Big time. I mean, it was smooth. Forrest Whitaker's hustle was smooth, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just talk, just talking his ear off. Oh, talking making his ear himself, off. Making him making sound him like a chump. Late. Yeah, I mean, it was like, just I'm such like, a chump. Uh, they they were experimenting on me. All that hook just, line. He's having sinker. fun. Like oh, I don't care about the money. Whatever. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It was okay. That was a great scene. That was just so good. And then and then Eddie breaks down. You know, he he's he's kind of broken all over again. He's beaten. At, at well, his it's own a good game. it's a good check right like it's a yeah. because even as the older guy like the ego if you let your ego dictate your actions you're gonna you're gonna be blinded by the things that are right in front of you right and so yeah. i mean it, it was per it, like it's a great scene like it's just the type of check eddie needs to realize that he's still human and yeah. and like be able to take the next step into getting back into the game. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be like such a cheap, like cheap thing for like Eddie to be like, Oh, you know, fats never fats wouldn't have fell for this and all the, you know, he's not, it, 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 it's where he is in his life, which I think is great. Like, it's just, he's, he's at a certain place and it's not about reliving the past or whatever. Like he's in the moment. And I just think that's so good because yeah, while this is a sequel, as we keep saying, it's just like, it, it's, it's its own story that we happen to have a little insight into the past. And so I'm glad it's not just this, like he's not teaching Vincent all these things because, well, I knew all this stuff 25 years ago and I, I used to be King shit. Like it was like, he's Eddie still has things to learn. Eddie still has so right. much room for growth. Um, so, you know, in the hustler, we, I was sort of making the argument that he didn't really grow, but of course he did. And as you, as you sort of pointed out, and it's the same thing. It's like, Eddie's now in this one place in his life and then opportunity comes up and, you know, he's going to kind of go, go in the sort of the kind of a bad direction and manipulating Vince, but then he gets, like you said, he gets checked, you know, it's just, you're not exactly what you, what you're, you keep saying, you know, you know, and I think that's, that's so important. It's such an important scene for him and that, but the fact that it makes him quit, like, it's like, because it just shows him what he's doing with Vincent is a, f- a flawed thing. He's got right. to go do his own thing. He has yeah, yeah. to. 
and it's he doesn't so, it's, need, he doesn't need the crutch. Like he needs to just get out and do it. Yeah, and so the the fact that it goes all the way to the end where he says I'm back, like okay, like he found he found you know he doesn't have uh, Minnesota Fats doesn't have the hold on him. The 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 game the hustle doesn't have the hold on him that he thought it did. He'll right. he's going to keep playing, win or lose. And so, yeah, I mean, just what a, what a, just an amazing scene for him to like, just walk away from it all. And it wasn't about just making that money. It's about his own, like, who, yeah. who the hell is he? Yeah. Who is Eddie? Well, <laughs> you know? And Newman is always so good at, at doing those scenes where his character hits rock bottom. Yeah. You know, yeah. He yeah. excels at that character note. And that was a just, brilliant performance especially in that scene by by him so yeah you know to to let them ba- he basically fires them or yeah. quits you know kind of a combo but and realizes yeah he's got to go do it on his own and he's got to do it his way and see if he's still worth anything to himself really yeah and and seeing that the nine ball tournament which is where everything was leading that he was going to be sort of guiding vincent through now he's going to be playing against vincent not initially but you know they have their first yeah and second if they one. if they get there yeah and eventually they they do get there and and eddie wins eddie beats him sure or look like he? that or sure look he? like it yeah what we uh he? and he's so happy he's so like he's you, you've never seen him that sort of jubilant and then we find out that, that the student has become the teacher. Yeah, that Vincent uh, comes knocking on his hotel room and uh, gives him his share of the the what he won for basically throwing the game. Yeah. Well, and it's like, and then Vincent, you know, he took the heart, the thing that's almost a throwaway. It's like, who cares about the tournament? You can be playing these green rooms. You'll make more than the guy who wins in the tournament. And so that's the one thing that Vincent latched onto. But but Eddie wasn't thinking about that because now that he's participating, he just had to prove himself. He's got to show. Right. I'm I'm it. I'm Eddie Felson. Like you, you know, and he got to the he got to the semifinals. Um, well, right, because that was the whole driving factor for the first movie is he had to prove that he was the best. Right. And yeah. so yeah. to win this tournament in his head is proving he's you know, that's helping. Him finally put to rest that that need yeah or you'd think but yeah like so, so it was never about the money for for eddie right so right. In, in a sense in this movie and then um but but where he come where he ends up like he the the fact that he's just like all right i'm gonna play you next month in houston and then we're gonna play again and blah 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 i'm just gonna kick your like keep kicking my ass and it's yeah. not about being the best it's about competing about being the guy at the table being the guy that that reads it I, I just i just love that i love it like you know because so many of these so many sports movies it's just about well it's just like rocky or whatever but like other sports movies is just you gotta win like if you don't win here you're nothing you know it's like the it's not about the journey to that that final battle or whatever it's about the the actual thing and you have to be crowned and you need to earn that trophy but this is like this is not that shit. Like I, I just, you know, listen. I love Side Out. Side Out. Who loves Side Out, right? And <laughs> the volleyball got, movie. The volleyball movie. Yeah, I buddy. love that movie. Let's Watch go. That. I want to review that. 
but like it was all about getting to that last thing and winning them the tournament and then once his face can pay his rent again or whatever i can't believe you dropped some side out <laughs> side out is <laughs> like not see that one coming but i love a i love a good side out <laughs> Oh my goodness. Expect the unexpected here at Reconsinimation. You never know what Munchak's going to drop. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a true Munchy moment. Yeah, uh, um, the volleyball sports movie from the eighties. Munchak's got an intimate relationship. <laughs> Who is uh, that? Is it Karch Karai? Is that the? I'm trying to remember the like the big volleyball guy that was. No, sorry, we're going to get. Uh, way I don't off. know. <laughs> We're gonna get way off track. Uh, I'd have to look but up. side out is the color of money for volleyball. <laughs> for volleyball. The... <laughs> right, because it's about an aged age volleyball champion, right? Who's who's now taking on a young upstart. Anyway, I Absolutely. like again, I think I think what's so great about the the sport of pool and what this movie's trying to show you, it's like it never comes down to just one game or one thing. Like, you know, in 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 the hustler, they said Minnesota Fats never lost in 15 years. And then he beats them and they go back and forth. But like they don't make a big deal out of the fact that Minnesota Fats just lost. Like, oh shit, what's wrong? No, it's about actual, it's the actual like pool playing. It's about the skill, it's about the game. So, and I just, that continues with this. It's like no one can be undefeated in pool, no matter what. Everyone's got bad roles. Yeah. You know? So I just, uh, I like that that continues to to be yeah i used to, i was terrible at pool and like when i said in the last episode about my friend mark you know sometimes i would i would i would break and drain the eight nine ball and win and it's just <laughs> um there were sometimes he'd scratch on the nine ball or whatever um i think he i think it's scratching on the nine ball is a is a loss maybe it's maybe that's eight ball doesn't matter i thought I, it was both but could be both i don't know i know sinking, i know sinking the nine ball on the break is a win though mm-hmm but anyway like there's so you know anyway i i just i i found that just keeping that because this is a character movie it's not a sports movie it right. just happens to have the sport yep i i love that ending too where where Ugh. they just have their own private match of which kind of kind of similar to the ending of rocky three that we don't we don't see the winner we don't see what happens yeah it ends right as the 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 match or the fight's beginning <laughs> uh but uh yeah, I, I just love that that look that uh, I forget the the line that that Vincent says that sparks that reaction from from Eddie, but Eddie sort of like pops up from the table and like just gives him that fiery look through those amazing sunglasses. Uh, yeah. and, and and that's you know something I uh, an image I will text you guys uh, regularly in our our group chat. Yes. But uh, great, just a great, great way to end it. That that, and yeah, he's back. That Eddie's, you know, found himself yet again, and we can sort of leave this time. We leave Eddie on basically a happy note, uh, rather than the way we left him with the hustler. And 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 to me, I I feel fulfilled with Eddie Felson's story. That you know, I don't need to know what happens next. I think he's figured it out. His life's together, um, and you know, he's found some happiness and some peace yeah. in himself. He's in love. He's got his, his lady. I think that's also the one takeaway. So one of the things that I thought was a lesson learned for him coming from the hustler to the color of money is, I mean, at least his relationship, right? Like, I feel like he treats um, 
uh, oh, what is Helen uh, Helen Shaver is her, is her name is the actress's yeah, name. She played, but the character's name is Janelle. Is yeah. that right? He treats Janelle really well, right? Like, I mean, he's he's really trying to take care of her. He's trying to, you know, like he wants they're going to go on their trip. Like they've got all this different stuff going on. And even though obviously like this is not a great lifestyle to try and have like a strong relationship, like they tend, they seem to make it work. Like she's with him at the end during all this stuff when he's like kind of having his, his rise back into it. And, you know, I think, you know, seeing where his relationship at the end of the hustler went from like I directly equate like this his actions here to what he learned in in that movie yeah yeah I mean he does and he's got a piece of dialogue when 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 the two of them are talking earlier in the film where he he mentions it I mean he he does allude to you know some bad stuff happened and somebody got got hurt and that was you know, a part of his, that's really the only like direct sort of tie yeah. with the hustler. But if you know that story and what happened, it just, that scene in particular means so much more. And yep. you can see, yeah, he has grown and, and he has, you know, learned to treat his, uh, you know, the people he's in, the, the, whoever he's in love with, you know, to treat them with care and, and to not just kind of walk all over them. He sort of does it in the beginning, right? Like, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's going to go on this trip, like this thing he needs to do for himself and doesn't tell her that she's going to, you know, he's talking about the Bahamas and she gets, she gets upset, but like he's, he was leading her on. He's like, oh, well, I meant the Bahamas, but I didn't say when. And, you know, she's not there, but then he forces like, oh, come, come to Atlantic City. And then I can, you know, it's, it's, she's like, she's a little bit of a second secondary prize you know in a sense uh because now instead of bahamas and living their life together he's now going to go on he's going to go over to pool tournaments and beat them all beat <laughs> vincent all over town so she's sort of locked into what his lifestyle is now going to be and we don't really have a sense of how, whether or not she cares about that um i would think she kind of like I, I think she seems fine with it based on the like when when he when eddie realizes he's been hustled after you know or after vincent you know says i i dumped it you know i let you in um that's kind of a big deal i'm also i'm also curious though trying to get the sense of how strong the relationship is at the beginning of the movie so like i i feel like it builds throughout the course of the movie and you see him really like start to care for her because at the beginning like they're flirting obviously but it seems it doesn't seem like they're in a long term relationship or a long lasting know each other they've they've gone they talk about other trips they've gone on with each other so there is some kind of it's like they've been dating for a while yeah but it's not like serious it's not like it doesn't seem steady you know whereas like it it seems it seems like we're seeing the like when we come into the movie we're seeing that point where it's going from just being like kind of a, a passive passing thing to being more steady. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know, I mean, it's an interesting kind of conversation cause he's like trying to convince her to buy his off brand whiskey and all this stuff. But like, they've obviously correct. spent time together. He's talking about the omelet that he made her with caviar and mm-hmm. sour cream, sour cream, which was delicious. 
It does. And then salty and yeah, and savory. It's like, it could go either way for me, but you know, like it sounds fancy, like it's, something you're going to, you're, you're going to make a fancy <laughs> omelet for somebody that you care about. Right. Yeah, like, right. or somebody yep. that you're trying to impress. So, you know, like it, it definitely, I feel like we catch him in that scene to your point, David, like, you're right. Like it does, it does seem like he's kind of leading her on a little bit, but at the same time, like, I also think that's, we're catching, we're catching them right as they're take like kind of transitioning yeah. from, from like, okay, we're, we're in this awkward, I don't know where we are state to now we're kind of like in a relationship and, and, you know, being fully transparent and honest with each other. Yeah. No, I that's think how I right. read it, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. I think that, yeah, we're like, it, that was, the, they're going to keep doing that dance, you know, for yeah. a long time. And then, you know, Vin, Vince is the catalyst, Vincent is the catalyst for, for all this sort of things to change for, for everybody. Yeah. I think the chemistry between, uh, you know, really everybody in the cast is just so strong in this movie. It the, the, Everyone feels very natural in their, roles it doesn't feel like anyone was miscast or just you know putting it just they, they feel right to me and i think that's what part of why the movie feels so genuine is because they did such a great job of placing the right actors in the right roles and whether it's you know newer actors bouncing off of a, a legend like newman or i mean even helen shaver was was in uh, the osterman weekend before this and a few other movies but you know that's to to kind of go toe to toe with with Newman. That's 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 tough. Yeah, I agree. I think that everybody seems to have a much more solid. There's just it feels like there's a lot more depth to each one of the characters, you know, in in this than I than I got from. Even though I thought that everybody in in the Hustler did. Uh, a, a fantastic job like it, the, the, there wasn't a lot of depth to a lot of that characters they were kind of one note and sure. they were playing a part but i feel like there's history and and you know yeah backstory and life behind all of all of the characters that we meet even even and some of it's just done by having like perfectly placed character actors like bill cobbs you oh, know like that guy so great but dude you yeah. know, as as kind of the 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 old pool hall owner, you know, who who came up and remembered, uh, you know, fast Eddie Folson from from back in the day. I mean, he's just so good, you know, yeah. and just having like those kind of characters kind of sprinkled throughout, you know, really, I think help. Um, you can feel history feel that you, yeah. like you said, you can feel the history with each of them for whatever their their sort of path was you just sense it off of them. And that, yeah. that's a very difficult thing to do without having, you know, a lot of spending a lot of time with them. So, uh, you know, and I think that goes back to uh, Martin Scorsese, just being a, you know, the right director for this movie and that he, he let it be what it is. He let it be the vehicle that Paul Newman was, was steering it, you know, was steering the ship there, but he peppered in his style. He made sure that the there were no holes anywhere. He got great performances out of all the actors. Um, you know, and like I said, during the pool shot, the, the pool games themselves, that's where you see real Scorsese. Sort of like, 
like in the Spider-Man movies, the the original trilogy with uh, Sam Raimi. That sure, there's not a tremendous amount of Sam Raimi style except for, in those, except, except he's swinging on the webs, man. Yeah, the, but then when you get it, it's so obvious it's Raimi. Oh like yeah, in, when in the Spider-Man two, when when uh, Doctor Octopus like becomes Doctor Octopus in the hospital room, there's that's pure Raimi there. Yeah, and yeah. this is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, that uh, you know, <laughs> with, with the same thing in this movie that you get true Scorsese peppered in at 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 certain moments in particular. Yeah, it's the grittiness and kind of you know, I mean, sort of this smoky atmosphere and you know, I one thing I read which I thought was fascinating is you know they tried to light those scenes like they would be in a pool hall, right? Like yeah. A lot of harsh light up front and then everything just falls into darkness and yeah. you know it's very moody and and the the ambient you know it's it's really well done lots of lots of interesting like wavy dolly shots right and or, or whatever it would be if it's uh you know and just i mean even and then in that chalky scene where <laughs> tom cruise is doing the ninja stuff i mean they circle around the table what four times like yeah. for for him to clear the table and he's he's bra- you know dancing and doing the to, to werewolves of london to werewolves of london and yep. like i mean i can't even imagine how many takes they did of that to yep. make it look just just to get because it's it's such a choreo uh, choreographed thing to get the action the shots the the actual bits in between and i mean that's like that's a whole day's work i would think like it was but it was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and just, and there's so many shots of that, of just the focus between the shot, the ball, the, the pocket and over and over and over. You see that all throughout the movie. Um, just so many shots are just tracking the action and it, it just, it's really great. I think it's, uh, it, it keeps you in it. It's not about the interminable, like just cuts everywhere and making it look good. It was like, right. The actions continue to happen. Even if they're hiding, how professional you know they can they can really shoot um it does it it works really well yeah it's just brilliant cinematography by michael ballhouse who's just another legendary cinematographer he's yeah. he's just an all-time great uh would continue collaborating with scorsese for years and and you could see how a movie like this visually would lead to goodfellas you know, a lot of the, right. like what exactly what you're talking about, David, you know, those moves just get expanded on even further uh, in, in Goodfellas. So yeah. great pairing there. And of course, all of it supported by uh, Thelma Schoonmaker's editing, who is, who is Scorsese's editor for almost every one of his movies, except maybe one or two of his very first films. So uh, just always, always, you know, they're a team. And and she knows his style and knows she's like sort of lives in his brain of how these scenes are all going to be cut together. And uh, just another really fantastic job here. Just visually, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, performance wise, it's it's amazing. There's to me, there's just so many good qualities about it that I, I'm always surprised when I hear people who don't like the movie. And, and there's a number of people who don't. I think maybe they just. I don't think they understand it all the way. They haven't listened to our show. No, no. they should be listening they right here. Listen to this episode. You'll get it. You'll, <laughs> yes. you will understand. 
a whole, shed a whole new light on the situation. <laughs> it is, but it is its own thing, right? Like if if you didn't, I can see, I can see. I'm not saying it's uh, a bad movie, but I can I can understand why it doesn't resonate maybe with certain people, right? Like it's this kind of story in its own way. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe people aren't into the the aged old timer who's manipulating the young guy who doesn't really understand the power he has and and it but it could because but all those things are very muddied and unclear right you don't like i said like oh you uh about like having the big game or this that you know it's not about that it's the journey right which is just it makes it a more poignant and subtle story versus like sort of a, a an end game that that you need to like reach and I don't know. So maybe there, maybe there's something to that where, and then they're not really exactly, you know, relating to Eddie or Vincent because they're both, they're both kind of unlikable in a sense, <laughs> but they're, but never but, say that about Paul Newman around <laughs> me. The character, I mean, I mean, they're both very charming. Right. But uh, uh, I don't know. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're wrong or I'm not saying they're correct. I just, it's not, you know, just like any other movie. Right. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's the David stamp of approval. But it's this fine. is this one's more than fine. I, I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it did uh, it did well at the the Oscars. It was nominated for four four Oscar uh, four Oscars. Oscars. Yeah, uh, it won one, and that would be for Mr. Paul Newman. Finally hey. wins Best Actor. After all these years now, there is always discussion of whether or not he really won for this movie or was it sort of a gimme for the hustler in particular, but all the other roles that he didn't win for with Cool Hand Luke and Butch Cassidy and the sting. Yeah. So uh, was it? I don't know. I, I mean, I think I think he deserved it for this. I think this is a great performance. It's a great uh, layer of depth added to a character that basically gave him his start in a lot of ways. And I think he's always felt that connection to Eddie fast Eddie. And at the, you know, as soon as the opportunity came to revisit the character, he took it and did it wisely and didn't throw it. You know, he didn't, he didn't uh, do it just for the money and do, do it as sort of a sellout Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, he made it, a richer storyline and and found a way to make it relevant yeah yeah I don't, I don't know who his competition was that year in the oscars but i think he did a, a great job here i mean he's it's essentially putting on a putting on a clinic you know i mean and yeah. and it's and it's helped out by kind of these ling, lingering shots that give give the space needed for him to just do subtle kind of nuanced acting which i think really carries carries the movie and carries the character you know yeah so, i'm just looking at who he was up against that year I know bob hoskins was apparently up and was also delivered a, an amazing yeah that's sort of that but, that's the one that if you're going to argue it that would be one uh william hurt and Ch- children of a lesser god always a good actor there uh but i don't know if he could i don't see him topping newman James Woods and Salvador. I just watched that movie last year and that, that's sort of over the top James Woods. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then Dexter Gordon, uh, uh in a, ra- a round, round midnight, which is, uh, I I've not seen that film. So I couldn't what say. was the film that Hoskins was in, uh, Mona Lisa. 
Mona Lisa. That's right. And so. that's supposed, I have not seen that, but um, supposed to be a pretty brilliant performance. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I think it's, I think it's deserved for this. I think it's also deserved for the other, the other awards. So even if they did give it to him for the other movies, fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he definitely deserves it one way or another. Yeah. And it's not like this would be the first time that Hollywood or the last time that Hollywood does, Career does kind of a kind of body, award. body of yeah. work award, you know, but yeah, that's sort of Scorsese for, <clears throat> excuse me, for uh, the departed. A yeah, exactly. Bite your tongue. <laughs> well, no, I mean, great, great movie, but like sure. the fact that that was the first time that he had yeah. won. Yeah. Right. Pretty yeah. bananas. Right. Like, yeah, well, when, when, you know, a lot of people talk about the Raging Bull is the greatest film of all time. You know, yeah. he didn't didn't win for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I think his performance here, anyways, it 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 it's strong enough to to warrant the award. Yeah. In spite in spite of the fact that he probably should have won it prior to this movie. Yeah. Yep. I would. Uh... You know, if we're going to rank the Paul Newman movies, where does the color of money fall in? I, th- I think we talked about this off air after our Hustler yeah. episode. Uh, I'm going to put color of money. Top four for sure. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's. This it's really hard because it depends, you know, it, it depends the day of the week. You ask me of what, what that order is going to be. But my top four would be cool hand Luke. The Hustler, Color of Money, and probably Butch Cassidy. It's good as any list you, you can come up with. Um, yeah, you know, he, a fantastic, fantastic actor. Played the parts that we just, he, he, every part is almost beloved. Like, you know, uh, look, and, and he was 26 years older than Helen Shaver, by the way, in, the, yeah. in this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> just to put, them, put a little... Perspective on uh, how it was in the '80s and continues through the '90s and 2000s and 2010s. For yeah, when you've got Kevin actors. Bacon and Amanda Seyfried uh, as a as a couple, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just um, but no, yeah. Oh, oh, Paul Newman, right? What about so, but but where would you put it on on the cruisometer? I don't know, you rank this... this in your Tom Cruise movies? It's a good question. It's hard. Gonna... Top 15? Maybe? I don't know. No, it can't be. Well, better, no. better be. Top 15? Better. Yeah, top, it's got to be. It's top 25. Be top. Easy. Top 25? <laughs> it's in the top how 25. Does, of how did this Cruise? movie just get worse for you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, the definitely worst Tom Cruise performance. I don't know. Definitely in the top 25. Um, I like all those Mission Impossibles. Yeah, sure, but I, I performance-wise, it's sort of just from a performance level, it's yeah. sort of the same each movie. So you could sort of say the Mission Impossible is like one thing. Yeah, all right. Maybe Mission Impossible Two is your favorite. Well, it's all one I, character, I, right? So yeah, character, but yeah. but his but the way he performs that character doesn't really change movie to movie. Uh, I did. would say I would say where it started in the first Mission Impossible to where it is in the last. There's probably a pretty big evolution, but I'd say in the, from like three, three on three on, yeah. it's probably all relatively similar. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There I'd you go. go with that. Um, so there's three different Ethan hunts really that we're contending with. 
Yeah, you love the Ethan first Hunt. One, there's number two. I'm a well, I'm a Ethan Hunt stan. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Mission Impossible Two is just kind of a standalone. So it's, top, it's top fifteen. What do you want me to do here? You're good. <laughs> hey, no, you're solid. I'd I'm not going to list fifteen other movies. Just, no, but I, I think great. I'm looking. I'm looking at it now. Like I think it's probably top ten for me. But there you yeah. go. But yeah, like I mean, I, I don't know where in the top ten. I'd have to actually sit down and. And do it, which I'll have to do for the next time. Tom this is, Cruise is on this the show. is Cruise's first appearance on the show. This we yeah. can't be just rating us other movies now. We this is it. Yeah, this I mean is, half these movies, boom. half these movies are primed to be on this on this podcast. So. We could be doing the crew the cruise meter cruise. You know, we could be doing a whole podcast just on Tom Cruise. If you well, you know, he's we talked about how many action movies he's done and that's sort of his bread and butter. But like he has had a lot of other good performances. Of that, course. You know, Absolutely. his his role in Magnolia is, I think, brilliant. Yeah. yeah and 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 fits in our timeline for the podcast. So, exactly. again, these yes. are these are like from Magnolia down to endless love could all fit in, into <laughs> into, you know, our our potential future podcast. Yeah. So I think I'm with David on this. I'm going to say top 10 and not get specific. Because I think we'll have sure. other chances to get. Started. Oh yeah, what we got? We'll be we'll be talking about cocktail. We'll be talking about risky business. I would. I, I'm nominating Rain Man. I mean that. <laughs> I, that one, I have some I issues with that movie, but <laughs> I hey, but I agree. I think from where that movie, when that movie came out, to where we are now, just about you know mental health and and things like that. Like I think it's a interesting movie to put on the show. Yeah. And, you know, while not being his his standard Scorsese movie, this is this is probably in my top 10 Scorsese. No, not probably. It's definitely in my top Ooh. 10 Scorsese movies uh, as well. You know, is it is it as visual and as, you know, Martin Scorsese as Raging Bull or Goodfellas or Taxi Driver? No, but I like it. I like it being a little more dialed back, a little more subtle not as in your face. You know, I really love this and after hours sort of paired together. And the Irishman. I negative. Oh, <laughs> Netflix I... is the Irishman. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm going to say honestly for rewatchability, like, look, I think if we, I was going to sit down and like classify the Martin Scorsese movies and rank them from like, oh which God. I think are the best. What are you to doing the, to the least? W- well-made, like it, this would be a different story, but from like a rewatchability standpoint, like this is probably in top five for me just because like I could sit down and watch this. I find this movie wholly interesting and well done. And, you know, even though it's not super Scorsese, there are moments Mm -hmm. you could also watch this movie having never seen it and never once think it was a Scorsese movie and be surprised by that, that information. But, you know, just from a standpoint of, I can put it on and watch it, put it on and watch it. Like, look, Raging Bull is great, but I'm not going to put Raging Bull on it's it heavy. or Taxi Driver yeah. or, you know, like, I mean, yep. those are intense movies yep. that are going to take a lot out of you when you watch it. This I can put on and rewatch it and I'm not going to walk away and be like, I need a week vacation to get right. over where my it's, head's at right now. It's you know? a little yeah. more of a crowd pleaser. You know, yeah. it won't give you clinical depression like a lot of those other <laughs> right. movies. Now I'll say there are other movies in that top five that are rewatchable and that, and I love them. And like, yeah. I could watch Goodfellas anytime. Yeah, you know, like I could watch Casino probably anytime. You know, but this movie's up there. 
I've watched it uh, twice in a row once. Watched it. Rewound yeah. the VHS. You're like, let's do it again. I've never done that with anything in my entire life. I've done it <laughs> really? with, with, I think, two ever movies. the color of money and the thing. I mean, I told you I saw Saving Private Ryan on the same day twice. Like, I mean, it's essentially the same thing in the theater. Yeah. Like, I went yes. in the morning, rallied friends in the afternoon, and went that night nice. again. So, I, I do that. I mean, I'm, I think I might have watched Spider-Verse like twice in the same week. Like, I don't even know. That's I'm a not good sh- one. I love Spider-Verse. It's the yeah. greatest. It's the greatest superhero movie ever. Uh, but shit, like, I mean, I've and I've heard people do that. Like, oh, I watched this movie and I, I just I watched it again. I'm like, oh, my God, what? Like, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get when it, when it hits you deep, you know, you yeah. uh, hits you deep. Yeah, I'm in. Um, but let's uh, let's real quick let's talk a little box office glory. Let's see how it did at yeah, the box office. Here we go. Okay, it had a fourteen point five million dollar budget, and what? a lot of that was crews and pool Newman. cues cost at this point. I mean, <laughs> very expensive. Thank God, they're so expensive. Well, what was what was the fancy pool cue that he gave to the to Balabushka? The Balabushka, yeah, those yeah. aren't cheap. Uh, it opened up October seventeenth, nineteen eighty six, at number Seven. two, number two, where Behind. it stayed for five straight weeks. But it couldn't, it couldn't uh, dethrone the king that week, which was Crocodile Dundee. Ooh. Couldn't take down Paul Hogan. Uh, but it first, did, the first one, right? The yeah, first. the first one. It did best jumping Jack Flash, though. Sorry, Whoopi. Yeah. All these movie names, all they're all just like a like a so many, rush. How many times <laughs> have I said of nostalgia? Just. <laughs> How many times I said sorry, Whoopi, on this podcast? Because <laughs> more than I can count, five five cents a tad. You'd, you'd be a million. <laughs> uh, it did uh, six point three million opening weekend. It had a fifty two point three uh, domestic run, hey. so that's a that's a hit right there. That's a longevity. Uh, not not the blockbuster that was Top Gun. That was the number one movie that year, a mega hit. But I don't think it was ever intended to be that. No. So. Uh, it ended up at number 12 of 1986, though. So that's not not too bad. It's in the top 15. Uh, it is right between Down and Out in Beverly Hills and Stand By Me. There so take that, Richard Dreyfus. Can't oh. top. Can't top. Newman don't be hit. Richard hey, Dreyfus was the narrator of a movie. He's don't be hitting it. on Stand He's By like Me, man. Two seconds. No, I love Stand By Me. Stand I'm By like, Me. Yeah. Dreyfus, no Dreyfus. It doesn't matter. And you know what? I, I'll say awesome. Dreyfus does not bug me at all on Stand By Me. Okay. He's very calm, very like reserved. So I'll take yeah. that. I mean, uh, Mr. Holland's opus. It's almost it as not. good as Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's no moon over Parador. So. <laughs> we should like do we should Bob. do stand we should do stand yep. by me that needs oh, yeah. to make it to the list yep yep definitely but uh i don't know i had a fun uh, it, you know we're having a great a happy newman new year as we take a look at mr newman's work all month long so if you didn't get a chance you should definitely go back and listen to the hustler and some of our other uh newman films in our archives at reconsidermation.com don't forget to uh Check us out on social media. We're at Reconsidermation Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. 
And uh, let's just say, guys, let's say thank you to some of our pals. We'll say uh, hey to Jay Blake Fischera at Scored to Death. Check out his podcast and his book series. Don't forget to check out E.K. Wimmer, our pal who does our theme music at his podcast, Laser Graves. And thank you to our good friend, Curtis, for the poster as usual. Uh, what do we got? Should we should we say what's coming up next as no. we conclude? They don't know. Newman New Year? I think we leave it as a surprise. More movies coming. Are Get we going to go backwards in time? Are we going to jump to Maybe. the future? Forward? Who knows? There, there's so much Newman to cover. Oh, we can go in. Yes. Newman New Year happening. Love it. All right. Well, you're just going to have to stay tuned. We will see you next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now. Balabushka. 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 Balabushka.